The following episode of An Evening at the Movies is brought to you by the I Did Not Make These Rankings Podcast Network, Masturbators, Crushgasm, An Evening at the Movies, The Sip List, Love is Black, Men are the Prize, Crime Rewind, Literature Reapers, all of your podcast needs can easily be met in one place at www.idnmtrpodcastnetwork.com. And remember, at the end of the day, I did not make these rankings and fuck Rotten Tomatoes. Have a nice day and enjoy the episode. And wax a chump like a candle dance. Corrupt the speaker that booms. I'm killing your brain like a poisonous mushroom. Deadly. When I play a dope melody, anything less than the best is a felony. Love it or leave it. You better can't play. You better hit bulls out of kid. Don't play. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. Cinematic something. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this week's episode of An Evening at the Movies. I am your... I don't know what I am right now, but I am Casey. I am one of your hosts of this amazing podcast with the stupid fucking rule that we honor all requests for movies on this show. But with all that said... I totally took advantage of that rule. Shanna definitely took... Big time advantage of that rule. I feel violated and used, and I feel like I need to go take a fucking shower right now. But we'll get to that here in a minute. Obviously, you could tell from the comment, we are not joined again by Amanda, who is still, as we record this, in Cancun, celebrating her 10th anniversary 
which is technically, if I've done my math correctly, tomorrow being Thursday, since it, today is new episode Wednesday. So, everybody make sure you send a comment and wish Amanda a happy 10th anniversary. She deserves miss it. miss you, Amanda. Oh, trust me. We miss you a lot this week. You should have had to sit through this. But I will save my opinions for later. Obviously, as you can tell, we are rejoined again by everybody's favorite, well, one of everybody's favorite literature readers herself. Two Show Shanna is back with us again. Welcome back, Two Show Shanna. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Delighted to be here. <laughs> yeah, you are, because you're fucking delighted at my fucking misery. I do what I can. I have to bring something to the network, and debauchery and shenanigans are, you know, in my wheelhouse, so. Yeah, well, I have a feeling the network's going to get a whole lot of freaking laughs over this one. So, <laughs> Let's hope so. For those, of, for those of you who do not know, but I have talked about it several times the last couple of weeks, we are here to discuss. Can I say it? Can I say it? Can I say it? Yeah, you can fucking say it. We are here to discuss the theatric cinematic masterpiece starring none other than Rob Van Winkle, a.k.a. Vanilla Ice, Cool as Ice. Yeah, so you better make sure you throw in Cool as Ice because you might get some slow people that, ooh, Rob Van Winkle, they're discussing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. No, I here we are wish not. we were... I wish we were discussing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too. We are not here to discuss the ninja rap. It would have been more entertaining if we were. Speak for yourself. <laughs> uh, well, I will speak plenty this episode. Um, before we get into it, uh, speaking of the devil, Amanda just... Oh. Uh -huh. Amanda's being a smartass while we record. Um, Surprise! So... Um, little background information before we get going. Um, cool as Ice released on October 18th, 1991. This movie is 30 freaking two years old. I was 11 years old when this came out. So forgive me for my 11 year old self thinking that Vanilla Ice was just so woony. I mean, I was 15 when this, 14. 14 when this came out and yeah eh, we'll get into it um, did you watch it when you were 15 the only time i've ever watched it was when i was 14 aside from today well aside from the four attempts i made this morning and kept falling asleep and then my final attempt this afternoon only because I literally had no freaking time to put it off anymore. It's like, I need to plow through this shit. And even then I still damn near fell asleep in the middle. Well, I so. have watched it twice in just as many days. One time, the first time I was altered to be fair. And today when I did the rewatch, I did it 100% sober. I'm sorry. 
I'm not because I have so many more questions. Uh, so before we get to the questions, let's finish this up really quick. Um, the movie was directed by David Kellogg, was released by Universal Pictures. What in the hell were they thinking? Um, it had that vanilla budget. ice was swoony. Okay, well, I've got a theory here in just a second, but um, it had a budget of $6 million. And I'm not even going to allow you to guess the number. I'll just give you a 50-50 shot at it. Did this movie make a profit or did it lose money at the box office? I'm going to say it made a profit. And you would be $4.8 million wrong. <laughs> this movie barely made a million dollars at the box office. Well, we are making up for it now when our listeners go out and rent this delight. Yeah. Vanilla Ice is going to be sitting in his living room now wondering why he's getting royalty checks all of a sudden. He'll definitely be needing to send out cameo messages to an evening at the movies for helping relaunch his dead-ass freaking career. Um, I mean, he needs to quit remodeling homes and go back to acting, because I love this. Uh, spoiler alert, that topic's coming up before we get done with this episode, too. Um, last but not, well, almost last but not least, um, I will let you guess this one. Rotten Tomato score, what do you think it is? 12%. You are totally feeling generous today. This is not even freaking close. Oh, boy. What are we at? 1%? Oh. 3%. Oof. Oof. This, this is not a good movie. Okay, let me ask this. Was Rotten Tomatoes out around the time this, this came out? Or was Rotten Tomatoes established later? Oh, Rotten Tomatoes obviously was established well after... So they, they don't have the target audience of the people that would have been intrigued by Cool as Ice, like me. Uh, last but not least, um, Cool as Ice is available to stream, well, to rent streaming on Apple. And it is available to free stream on Freebie. If you want to watch it with ads. On what move? What channel? Or streaming? Freevee. F-R-E-E-V-E-E. I watch I... it with some ads. I rented it off of Amazon, though. It was $3.49 for two viewings of Opulence. Yeah. Um, I might watch it a third time before my 48 hours expires. You requested this movie. I admitted to you that yes i did buy the dvd mm-hmm. off of amazon uh-huh. i bought it from amazon for cheaper than you rented it for how much did you spend for the dvd 2.99 what i feel ripped off i only get it for two days and you get it for the rest of your life you know what truth be told i will put it in its case and i will put it in the mail and send it to you on Monday. I will hang it lovingly up on my wall right next to Pedro Pascal's bobblehead. 
or Funko Pop, I mean. Dear Lord. Um, so do you want me to run down the plot or do you in your infinite wisdom want to run it run it down? I feel like my Oh yeah, yours is going to because if I do it, you aren't gonna <laughs> like what I have to You're say. You're just gonna rip the movie it. apart. Okay. Exactly. So this movie starts out with vanilla ice. And his three friends. And I get his the crew. Impression. Yeah, his crew, his homeboys, or one of them's a girl. But anyway, I digress. One of them's Naomi Campbell, so. No, she was just the singer in the beginning. And I have that in my notes. She's like the first face that you see. Even before his. Yeah. Anywho, so it starts off, and I, I believe they're in some kind of like warehouse or something, and they're performing. And then they get on the road and you see the four of them riding their bikes. And one of them breaks down in this like podunk little like American dream little small white, town. White trash picket fence. Yeah. And it's there that he encounters a beautiful brunette riding a horse. And he decides that in all of his dumbassery, it would be a great idea to jump the fence and startle the horse and it throws her off, which sets the tone for the whole movie of this. They don't like each other. Okay. Okay. Cause did we all, okay. This obviously was prior to, so obviously they, he didn't learn his lesson from this, but I mean, tragic Christopher Reeve freaking flashbacks right? all throughout. The, I mean, Literally, you startle a horse, people get thrown off and break their freaking neck and become quadriplegic people. Right. So, like, first off, like, how unsafe. And I don't I don't blame her for being angry. So, it, this sets off their relationship in a, a bad note. So, he later runs into her as her douchey boyfriend, Nick, is dropping her off at home. And he's all like, get with... Or, <laughs> lose the zero and get with this hero which you know <laughs> swoon mm -hmm. so then they're like hanging out more and come to find out he's stolen her little black book and she wants it back so they have this like really cool dance scene at this place called the sugar shack and it like really makes her boyfriend mad so he's like you embarrassed yourself in front of everyone and he's like i'll forgive you and then he like tries to make out with her and she pushes him off. So then like he calls Creepy. her. A, yeah. He calls her a slut and she runs off. Well, come to find out her parents are in witness relocation program and on her way home, um, two guys that were looking for her dad, like come across her walking down the middle of the street and they're like creepy crawling behind her in their car and they're going to like kidnap her. But then all of a sudden vanilla ice comes charging on his yellow motorcycle and saves the day and then drives her the three blocks home. And she's like, well, I better get inside. And during this time, he has stolen her little black book that has all of her college scholarship information. So she like calls him out on it. She's like, I want my little black book. And he's like, oh, okay. And then like the next morning, he breaks into her room and like rubs ice on her lips while she's sleeping. Creeper move to the 10th. So then she, he's like, look, I, I have... Anna your, would know. Yeah. 
because I would totally do that to Pedro. But anyway, I digress. So he's in her room, like laying in her bed next to her with his dirty shoes on her bed. And he's all like, I have your, your little black book, just like I took it. And she's like, whoa. And then she shows him that she stole his driver's license and some chick's mo named Monique's phone number. So then like they go out and they spend the day together and they do so many activities and then they come home and then like the whole plot of the movie is, is like, is he involved with the, the guys that want to kidnap the people or isn't he? Her dad thinks he is. She doesn't think he is. And then she's like, I don't want to see you anymore. And he's like, oh, who are you listening to now? Your dad. So then like they end up kidnapping her little brother, Tommy, who's like really, really wants to be like Vanilla Ice, even like gives himself a home haircut. So they kidnap Tommy, Everybody which is a little brother. Like Vanilla Ice in yeah. So they kidnap Tommy and then Vanilla Ice like helps get him back. And then all of a sudden the dad's like, oh, I guess you're not such a dickhead anyway. And he's like, it doesn't make a difference anyway because I'm leaving. And then Kat's like, but you're not leaving tonight and college doesn't start tonight. So then like he jumps over Nick the Dick's like car and then they ride off into the sunset. It's really good. Hashtag and they have a concert at the end and she's sitting there in the crowd lovingly staring at him while he's dancing, stopping, collaborating and listening. And listening. Because he is back with a brand new invention. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Um, Did I leave anything yeah. out? No. I mean, You're like, opinion, unfortunately but... not. You added a whole lot that didn't need to be said. Well, no, I mean, there's a whole lot of freaking side commentaries I would have freaking added in along the way. But but I got to leave some for the viewers I, to watch. Like, I, if I tell I, them the whole plot, then they aren't going to want to watch it. And then how is true. Vanilla Ice going to feed his family, if not from the royalties? I don't want that oh, with shoulders. So bad. Um, all right. So typical first question out of the gate for... A typical interview on the show. Um, what about this movie really grabbed your attention other than the fact that um, Rob Van Winkle most of the time running around with no shirt and uh, fucking coat on or no shirt and no coat on. I always got weirded out when he was running around with his coat on but no shirt. I'm like, dude, you're going to get some armpit sweat in your jacket. And that is that looks like it's dry clean only. So you're going to have a really, like, kind of expensive dry cleaning bill to get those sweat stains out of there. Like, just put a shirt on. Protect okay, your wardrobe. Anybody who's our age that grew up at that or, and lived during that era knows good and hell well that all the cool kids had the big, poofy starter coats. Yes. And, I mean, I even had my own Chicago Bulls starter coat. Saved up a lot of freaking money to have that, to buy that coat. And it ended up getting stolen from me. So, But you wore had, a shirt between your body and the coat, right? Well, I, I never, ever would. Have, right, because, because you. I was a high school athlete. I know good and hell well what I smell like. Right. When I sweat. I did not want that smell to permeate into my coat and on top of it i was not wearing my coat around just willy-nilly 
on a hot ass fucking summer day either. Right. And and like all of your infinite wisdom, like he's riding a motorcycle without a shirt on. Like you don't do that. Like if you were to get in an accident, you're gonna get some road rash. Uh Generally, for the most part, you don't ride a motorcycle with shorts on either. Yeah, but he did have a pretty elite fanny pack. Yeah, everybody had a fanny pack back then, ask the rock. Yeah, like, I kind of, you know, and how many pairs of striped short overalls did he own? He owned the purple and black pair and the white and black pair. And what I find very, very interesting is, so it was the four bikes that were driving into town when one of them broke down, correct? Uh-huh. Where the fuck is all his luggage? Where is he getting all these clothes at? Yeah, because there was not one ounce of luggage anywhere on any There was no road crew. Much. But yet they were there long enough and had more than enough freaking outfit changes. That it's like, okay, where did all your clothes come from, people? Right, and none of his were, like, wrinkly, so it's not like he had a backpack with him shoved in there. No. No, no, you're 100. Again, plot holes abound throughout this entire movie. Yeah. So the first thing I wanted to bring up um, about this movie that I loved it so much is, like, being 11, 12, 13 years old, this was, like... Number one, everybody was in love with Vanilla Ice because he was, like I said, so dreamy. And then, like, this is every young teenage girl's fantasy when we were young. You know, the bad boy comes into town and out of everyone, he picks me. So, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's typical elements of... Romantic drama. I, I would say romantic comedy, but it's. I mean, it is a romantic comedy, but it. I would classify it more of an element of pure romantic drama. Yeah. Being the whole, you know, you have the quote unquote damsel in distress. That's right. I guess, for lack of a better term, being held hostage in her white picket fence having house. Right, and, with her perfect you know, boyfriend who is, like, the poster child for domestic violence. And a 4.0 grade point average going off to, you know, whatever great college slash university, you know. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, bad boy, white rapper with fucking hair that doesn't move throughout the entire fucking 90 minutes of the movie. Just saying, though. Yeah. And when I went into this yesterday, when I was altered, I watched it for, you know, it's the first time I've seen it in probably 30 years. So I watched it and I was like, oh my God. And then today when I watched it, I watched it and I kind of tried to put myself back at the age I would have been when I first saw it. And when that happened or when I did that, I was like, oh my God, this movie is fantastic. Okay. Yeah, I was going to save that for my review, but we'll just go ahead and throw that out there. I think personally, my opinion, other people can check this movie out or have checked this movie out and they can chime in if they want on this one. But I think you have to, if you're going to completely wrap yourself up and enjoy this movie, 
you almost have to put yourself back in the mindset of being somebody living in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. Because then you can kind of sort of get in that mindset of how much this style of music was really, you know, it's rap music, but yet not gangster rap. It's hip hop. Dance and like you music. have to remember like how cool those dance moves would have been back in the early 90s and how fashionable those clothes were like that was the epitome of fashion back then like people exactly. were watching this and like they wanted to dress like that they wanted to, their hair like that they were getting the you know etchings carved in the back of their hair like that i mean if you put yourself back yeah i imagine you probably had a brick wall etched in your your hat your head oh god that was fucking i i believe i can honestly tell you right now i believe at least 92 percent of my high school class had a brick wall etched in the back of their head exactly so i mean when you think about it like that it really is a lot of fun if you go into it as like me in my case a 42 year old mother and you watch it and you're like, oh my God, what is this? But when I take myself back to being 11 year old Shan in my room with my hyper color t-shirt on and my biker shorts and my scrunchy socks and all that, I can, I could be like, oh my God, this movie is fantastic. Let me get my snap bracelet. Oh my God. Fucking snap bracelets. Yeah. Um, there definitely is elements of this movie, like we've been saying, though, that, I mean, if you are like my old fogies for life partner, Harvey, and myself, and love movies that take you back into that nostalgia of what it was like to be you know, a teenager at this time or young adult at this time or even a, a prepubescent girl. Yeah, exactly. Then you might find some enjoyment in watching this movie. If you're watching it as a 40-something-year-old today or even a freaking millennial Gen Zer that was born well after this movie came out. You're going to spend an hour and a half cringing. At all. Exactly. Cause there is a whole lot of cringiness about that. I mean, even the opening scene where they're rolling into town and freaking one dude's bike is breaking down. And I don't know how many times before they ended up towing it the rest of the way. He said, Oh my God, this bike is tripping. My bike is tripping. My bike, it's a, we get it. Your bike's fucking tripping, dude. And then his friends were like, maybe there's too much weight on it. <laughs> Dick move. Right. And telling him he can't get on their box, they can, their bikes. They don't want his big ass on their bikes. Well, I mean, at the end so of the, the day, like the one old lady said when they get to the old people's house, older people's house, that, you know, those his bike, Vanilla Ice's bike, 
costs more than their freaking the mortgage on their freaking house. So let me ask this, and I think I'm right on this. Is the lady mechanic, the little old lady mechanic, is she Blanche from Greece? I think you're right. I will look it up. Well, um, and then the dad, Kat's dad, is the dad from um, the Keaton's uh, family ties. Yeah, no, I knew that. I, yeah, that's Stephen Keaton, like there's no tomorrow. Bill Ice, Kristen Minter, Michael Gross, Naomi Campbell. These are D. Oh my God. There's people that had some weird ass freaking names back then. Dodie Goodman was an American character actor. She played the mother of the title character in the television series Mary Hartman. Blah, 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 blah. Filmography. 1978, Blanche from Greece. 1982, Blanche from Greece 2. I thought so. Mrs. Miller in the Chipmunk Adventure. She played Mrs. Stimler in Splash. She played May in Cool as Ice. And unfortunately, uh, June 22nd, 2008, at 93 years old, she passed away. She was an icon. She, I Just scrolling through quickly on her filmography, there was a lot of stuff in there that she, people would recognize her from. Yeah. So, so she's definitely one of those people that um, when you're watching Cool as I should be like, I've seen her somewhere before. Where have I fucking seen her? Grease, Grease 2. Um, Splash. Splash. Uh, chipmunks, blah, blah, blah. It, yeah. So if you grew up in the early 70s and early 80s, you've seen her and stuff. So Yeah. So one of the things that I wanted to talk about is like in the beginning, the opening scene, like the first thing, first concert, like when they're like leaving the concert, when they're done performing, um, I kind of felt like some of the concerts were just an effort to try and boost record sales for Vanilla Ice. But um, when they're leaving okay. and they're like heading out on their bikes, the four of them, it's hard to decipher whether they are a music group or whether they're a biker gang or what's going on. Cause like, there's no roadies. They're just traveling on their own. And then, um, like going back to the whole jumping the fence and racing the horse and then startling uh-huh. the horse and kicking a fucking cat off. Like, can we talk about how dangerous that is? Like, don't do that. Like, who are you trying to impress? I mean, I get that you're trying to impress Kat because your motorcycle can drive faster than her horse. Cool. But what True. was the point of jumping the fence? You, you, And then to walk over and be like, oh, my bad. Are you okay? And then, you know, yeah, she punches him in the stomach. I don't blame her for punching him either. I mean, at the end of the day, he deserved it. And that could have that whole incident could have gone a lot worse. For right. Her. She could have been killed. And then we would never have the movie. Well, I mean, obviously, they weren't going to kill her off in the beginning. Right. Of the movie because that 
kind of sort of defeats the purpose and they probably would have, you know, made $1 million instead of $1.2 million. Right. And then the part where she calls him a big macho biker after she punches him. <laughs> like, okay, dude's on a fluorescent yellow motorcycle with a weird flat top. Okay, because like we like, said earlier, at the end of the day, um, there is literally, when you tell, when I think of big, bad biker dudes. I'm not picturing Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice Rocket. is, I could think of uh, images of big, bad biker dudes for days and Vanilla Ice would not pop into my head ever once. But do, but you, in, do you get pictures of big biker dudes? Is that what you think about at night? Oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> but I mean, literally, freaking Hell's Angels, Sam Crow from Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. I don't picture Vanilla Ice and his four lackeys. Yeah. No. And then, like, the part where they stop in the middle of traffic. Like, they're in the small town after the bike's broken down, and they just stop, like, and take up both lanes and hop off their bikes and walk over to the one bike that's broken. And they're all like, man. And there's people honking everywhere. And they're, I mean, they just want to get to wherever they're going, too. I mean, how rude and what a sense of entitlement to just take up the entire side of traffic. Yeah. Well, and it, the funny part about that whole, like, literally they're sitting there, everybody's, like, laying on their horns trying to get everybody's attention to get the hell out of the way, and, like, nobody's moving. Freaking one dude's leaning out the freaking window trying to see what's going on. They freaking finally stand up and look, and he's like, oh, shit. Sticks and he, like, back hides in back in his car. Like he's a chicken shit. Right. So then the next scene is you see Vanilla Ice towing this other motorcycle with a rope from his bike to that one. Yeah. I don't think that's how it works. No. I think, it, well, for one, I would have, I would I'm sure you could probably do it, but you probably really have to know what the hell you're doing and how to do it because if, you don't do it exactly correctly. You can totally fuck up the damn. Um, Manifold. Shell. Well, you can totally screw up the entire bike by having the tow cable ripping shit off. And yeah. All of that. So, um, so my whole thought about the whole, like the music part aspect of this is um clearly this is a movie that universal pictures threw together as a cash grab trying to capitalize on the success of a move of a cd that was released literally 13 months prior to this movie and it makes me wonder were they trying to capitalize off of his fame or were they trying to reamp him because if he was in the height of his fame i would imagine that this movie would have done a lot better i kind of feel like maybe they made this movie to try and put him back into the spotlight well because okay here's the deal if you stop and look at it like this to the extreme came out 
on September 3rd, 1990. Cool as Ice came out October 18th, 1991. So we're literally looking at 13 and a half months in between the two releases. I'm guessing they were trying to bring him back. I'm guessing, yeah, they were probably starting to see the handwriting on the wall that um, Ice Ice Baby was literally going to be his one One claim to fame. Not anything, I mean, because Ninja Rap literally is but a brief moment of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Right. And it's gone. And it makes me wonder if he wasn't trying to branch into acting and this was like supposed to be his gateway. I think if that, if he was trying to branch into acting, I think he wouldn't have played himself. Unfortunately, that was probably one of the worst things he could have done because his character in this movie basically is a renamed version of Vanilla Ice. Uh, in Johnny my opinion, Van Owen. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's a rapper. Flash, I mean, he, literally, he's that movie's version of the real-life Vanilla Ice. Right. Um, I think, again, this is one of those moments like Kendra and I talked about during um, From Justin to Kelly last week where I think there's enough talent that both Justin and Kelly have that if they were given a proper script, a proper director, somebody who knew what the hell they were doing and it wasn't necessarily just a studio trying to latch on to the moment being season one of American Idol or the hotness of the to the extreme album right maybe both of these i mean all three of these celebrities could have gone on to bigger and better things on the big screen yeah um i i i had moments in from justin to kelly where i don't think it was as bad as i remembered it being there's moments of this movie i don't think it's as bad as it could have been as I remembered it from all the way back then either. Um, a lot of my big complaint about this movie though. So we may as well just get into my negatives and I will be generous and not pick everything apart piece by piece by piece, but probably the biggest slap in the face is the dialogue in this movie to me and it is rough very misogynistic oh in a lot of i mean you got to remember growing up when we first saw this this stuff was clearly gotten away with at the drop of a dime and this stuff would not go over at all by today's standards no so like the boyfriend nick grabbing her by the arm and like pushing her up against the car and no that's like d- domestic violence nowadays yeah in a heartbeat 
Um, Hashtag Nick's a dick. Nick, Nick is a dick. And for, that was foreshadowed the very first time that Vanilla Ice met him at the beginning of the movie when he called him Dick instead of Nick. He's like, it's Nick. And he's like, oh, yeah. My bad. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I get the whole fact that especially in these slick, flashy kind of movies that dialogue can be incredibly cliche. But it seemed like every other thing that came out of everybody's mouth in this movie was some kind of over-the-top cliche. And it, Exactly. It didn't take long before it literally wears on your patience. It's like, seriously, come up with some better fucking dialogue. I mean, did have you even graduated screenwriting school yet? And this is what you're freaking throwing out there for us? And can Come we on, talk people. for a moment about his door knocking skills? Like, he doesn't even knock on the door. He just punches it one time and expects them to know that somebody's at the door. Like, if I heard a thump, I'm going to assume somebody dropped something in the house. I'm not going to go answer my fucking door. Yeah, that, okay, so, hashtag funny story. Um, along the same lines, um, this is about the same time Fresh Prince of Bel-Air came out. And everybody remembers when Will Smith would answer the phone during that, especially the early days of the TV show. He'd always answer the phone, who dis? Or no, no, it was Boys Boys in the Hood. And Cuba Gooding Jr. always answered the phone, who dis? I went through a very brief period of time where I tried to do the same thing. Did your mama beat you? Oh, no. My aunt did, though. I because we we didn't have caller ID at the time, so you had no idea who was calling when the phone rang. So I the phone rang one day after school. I picked it up and literally pushed the talk button, put it up to my ear. Who this? And it was my aunt. Ooh, ooh, yep. <coughs> that is not how you answer the phone. You talk in the phone with respect, and you have manners, and you were raised better than that. Remember? I'm like, yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. I forget. Please forgive me, Bubba. And, like oh jesus god yeah but he just he walks up and he just punches the door once and then just stands there yeah no i mean that again that i guess for lack of a better term that's kind of sort of the attitude we had as people back then so let me ask you this and this is like one of those plot holes that i think you were talking about the whole plot or you know the whole beginning of them spending time together is because she wants her little black book back. So that brings me to my question. Like, when did he even have a chance to steal it? It was in her purse that she was holding on to the entire time. Suppose, well, supposedly he stole it when they had that first meeting out front of the house when um, he calls Nick. Nick Right, Nick but she had it in her purse that whole time, and she was holding on to it. But, yeah, no, literally, there's, I don't even think, they may have once been briefly close enough for him to a, attempt a pickpocket, but, I mean, if it's in her purse, I mean, literally, I'm, he's going to be standing next to her, have to unzip the purse, get into the purse, take it out, all without her noticing it. Right. 
And then how did she get his driver's license? I mean, the only time between then and when she gives it back to him is when she's riding on the back of the bike after they ex- escape the gangsters and he's literally sitting on his wallet. Like how, no, make it yeah. make sense. I mean, it's, I mean, some of this stuff is basic story writing 101. Yeah. And which is part of the reason why I don't think the screenwriters had a screenwriting degree before they put this script together. Yeah. Or when he is hanging out with his friends and then like when he's getting ready to go over to her house that next morning to return it. And he, they're like, where are you going? He's like, I'm going across the street to sling a schlong. What does that even mean? Uh, the fuck? I mean, I know what it would sound like now, but I don't even know what, because then I was like, oh, maybe he's going, you know, to the, the sugar shack and he's going to go sing a song. And I was like, no. That doesn't fit. Like he said, I'm gonna go across no, the street says, and sling a schlong. Yeah, because we all know what schlong is. And then sling is like you know throwing it down. Uh huh. But I don't think that's what they meant. Uh yeah, I don't know either. Um. And then my next plot hole that I want to talk about is like when those gangsters are sitting outside the house. They're all like, "We'll pay them a visit after dark." cool that makes sense you know like being sneaky but then they go ring the fucking doorbell like what's the point of going after dark if you're gonna ring the doorbell yeah i'm well i mean prime example i mean i've seen enough i've seen beverly hills cop i've seen all the lethal weapons i've seen die hard i've seen all the stuff where you know you have bad guys that you know arrive on the scene and take people hostage they don't just show up and ring a doorbell right. and wait for you to answer the door. And they don't spend a ton of time sitting outside of the house just standing there, you know, eating their lunch and stuff before. Like, they're a little bit sneakier about it. They don't just park out front and sit on the car. Like, well, I mean, they did in Beverly Hills Cop 1, but that was because Taggart and Rosewood were on a stakeout and they needed to explain the reason for the banana in the tailpipe. Yeah. So but, then... Yeah, like no. when he breaks into her room and like he flops on her bed and she's not at all surprised or concerned at the fact that he's broken into her bedroom and she's hardly dressed. And not only that, if those acts alone weren't horrific enough, he lays on her bed with his dirty ass shoes. Yeah. Like what is it with people in their shoes on her bed? There's him when he comes in there. There's her after her big date with him. And they spent a lot of time, like, out in the deserty, like, sand and shit. And she just flops down in her bed wearing her clothes and her shoes. Okay. Like, not real smart. And then you have this scene when they kidnap Tommy. And Tommy runs in her room. And then they're, like, running across her bed with their fucking shoes on. Yet her bed always looks clean. Uh Uh-huh. I don't think that's very realistic. I mean, not yeah. everything in the movie is realistic. I get that. But. Well, I mean, I don't think I could name one movie out there that is 100% realistic. I mean, even the greatest movies of all time have elements of plot holes that can be found. Even the great iconic Forrest Gump, I would dare to say, has some plot holes in it. The crew. 
Oh, has plot holes in it. Freaking the Green Mile even has plot holes in it. And yes, I am man enough to at least throw my favorite movies out there. And I think the biggest thing, like my biggest source of contention for this entire movie, and I'm honestly surprised that like more people haven't spoken up about this, but can we talk about her fishbowl? Like how many fucking fish are in that little fucking fishbowl? And there's no activities for them. There's nothing to keep their themselves engaged. They're just swimming around. And those are tropical fish. Tropical fish. And they're just in a regular fish tank. No gravel. Nothing to clean the tank. And they're just like swimming around. And there's like 50 of them in there. And like I'm surprised PETA hasn't said some shit. Yeah. I, I noticed that too as well. Because I've grown up with an awful lot of freaking fish tanks growing up and yeah to have a traditional sized fish tank or fish bowl with I would guess probably at least 15 fish in that damn bowl yeah it's like you would think just because of lack of room alone those fish are going to turn on each other and start cannibalizing each other. Right. And then he has the audacity to throw his break into a room and then throw his dirty ass ring in their tank or in their bowl. And then she just shoves her hand in there and right. retrieves it. Like, you know, what if she ate hot wings and then she was just going in for that ring? <laughs> oh, God, that's funny. I actually watched an episode of Hot Ones last night and I think it was the Ashton Kutcher episode and he actually had barbecue sauce on his hand and he went to wipe tears away from his eyes. Hashtag don't, don't ever wipe tears away from your eyes when you have barbecue sauce on your hands. Mm-hmm. Not just barbecue sauce, but any wing like, sauce. Uh, yeah. Well, and this is not just traditional wing sauce. We're talking these, this is like, Atomic. Well, yeah, this this was like out of the ten sauces that they eat on that each episode, I think was like the seventh sauce. So this is one of the hotter sauces that they had. Yeah, for him to eat. So big, huge, dumb ass mistake. But yeah, no, um, definitely. I don't even know what the hell the point. Is. I mean, I okay, you want to have the fishbowl? Fine, have the fishbowl. Why do you have to have? that many fish in the fishbowl right there's no point to it at all at all i mean it's not like ooh, one of the or eight of those fish have to be jumping out to save the day and stop the bad guys from kidnapping tommy no they're not they're just swimming in a freaking circle right. <laughs> i mean It's frustrating because some of this stuff, it's like people who watch movies and aren't necessarily big on picking apart plot holes like this are probably literally sitting down and watching this movie and picking all of these freaking plot holes out and throwing them up against the wall and watching them stick because it's like, oh my God, there are freaking so many of them. Right. And if you like focus 
on the plot holes and the mishaps and and stuff like that, you're really going to limit your experience. I would suggest that if you are in a position where you want to watch this movie, I would suggest going into it with an open head and an open heart and try and put yourself... I can't imagine anyone younger than 30 willingly watching this movie. If anybody is going to watch, it's going to be people our age who are looking for a bit of nostalgia. So they are going to go into be like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. Go into it with an open heart and an open mind and just put yourself back to the person that you were when this movie came out. And I promise you that your viewing experience will be so much better. I'm going to pose a challenge to one of the younger members of the I Did Not Make These Rankings podcast network. Um, I'll be nice and not do it to the one who next has a birthday coming up. So, King Dre, you're off the hook on this one. But um, next up would be Miss Kendra. I challenge Kendra as being somebody who is younger than all of that to sit. Well, no, Kendra probably is right about that borderline area that you were talking about. But I would be curious to see if Kendra would sit down and watch this movie, what her opinion would be. Being I bet from, she would like it. I feel like she would, if she could get in the right mindset, she would like it. Kendra's a little bit quirky like that. For anybody who's watched our draft episodes and knows that, you know, we can have some pretty straightforward topics that we draft from. But Kendra will take those freaking straightforward topics and come up with some very outlandish draft picks that make everybody freaking laugh. Kendra has never once not made people laugh with her draft picks. That's the kind of person that she is. So she has one of those eclectic viewpoints, which is one of the reasons why I challenge her to go out and watch this movie, because I really would like to know what her honest to God, legitimate off the wall opinion is. So after this episode is over, I'm going to, post in the group chat that I challenge her to go watch this movie and check back in and let us know what her thoughts are. So, um, so is there anything else we need to bring up before we get to, um, our rankings, our our ratings and rankings and review of the movie? I'm ready to rank and rate. Okay, guess first. Your thoughts, opinions, and out of five. I'm going four and a half. As a person, if I were ranking it based on the person I am today, I would probably go two. But because I was able to kind of put myself back into the mindset of 11-year-old Shanbanan, I am going to go four and a half because this movie was dreamy when I was that age like oh my gosh I want Vanilla Ice to come and save me from myself so I loved it I thought it was a fantastic fun experience um I am so glad that I got to rewatch it maybe not I, I didn't find it as fun um the first time because I was like this is the worst idea I've ever had in my life and then <laughs> and then I watched it again today and I was like okay I'm just gonna I'm gonna pace myself I'm gonna put myself back to 1991 Shan 
and I'm going to watch it. And I had so much fun. I can honestly say, and we've discussed this before earlier in the episode, um, again, if you come into watching this movie and you have zero expectations at all, And you can take yourself mentally back to being who you were in 1991 when this movie came out. You may enjoy this movie. May. If you come into it from somebody who's older than, you know, 35 and you're expecting certain things to happen, you're probably going to be disappointed in more and ways. I would definitely say that this movie would rate higher, higher for females than it would males. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't a whole lot. There's aspects of this movie that guys can get behind, but there's also elements where um, I feel like if they wanted to attract guys, they could have pushed the envelope harder in that. Like the direction. fight scenes. Okay. Cause yeah, I did not bring up the fact that that final fight scene is probably the most underwhelming final fight scene that I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. I mean, did vanilla ice even get hit in that? I mean, he literally just showed up, bam, bam, time to go home. And every time he would land a punch that down sound, it just cracked me up. Yeah. Um, like the scene where he's beaten up Nick and his cronies is more choreographed and elaborate than the final scene when they're they're saving Tommy from the gangsters. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and like, for, why is Nick showing back up at her house? Like, she broke up with you, dude. Because he's a creepy stalker. Ugh. I, for nostalgia purposes for me, I will go ahead and give it three and a quarter. What? There's still, there's still in my mind, even if I take myself back mentally to there, that still elements of the movie that I feel like it could have been better in certain aspects. I mean, I get that um, it's more exhausting to take yourself back to that age than it is for me because it's farther back for you. But I, it's got to be at least three and three quarters. I'll be generous. I'll meet you in the middle, three and a half. I'll take it. Um, if I'm judging by 46-year-old expert movie review podcast host, Casey opinion I'll be as generous as I can be and go to that's what I rated it as for you know adult Shan I feel like I probably if I really really wanted to could go lower but I will be nice and not be that much of a dickwad about it but at least now you can write it off like you have 
you know, made that deposit in the trust bank. You followed through, you watched it just like you said you would. And now it's behind you. And we officially are rescinding Shanna's invite to request any movie she wants for anything at the movies you now. You can fuck the fuck off. <laughs> no, we won't do that because that's not fair. That's mean. But I still have my birthday episode. Well, and technically that would eliminate the whole birthday tradition of whenever it's your birthday, you get to request an episode because... Truth be told, Shanna could every year on her birthday just request whatever she wants. That's what I plan on doing. Not, not that she did. Her selection for September is actually not a bad selection. I'm looking forward to discussing it. But um, welcome to Good Burger, yeah. home of the Good Burger. Can I take your order? I have not seen that movie since I saw it in the movie theater. Same. It's fantastic, though. I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes, hey! Oh, man. Keenan and Cal. And the fact that they're working on doing a good burger, too. I will. Makes it only that much better. So. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. So, for the listeners' edification... What's coming up on all of your shows that they need to be made aware of so that they will tune in and listen? What day does this drop? Wednesday? Yes, it'll be the day after True Crime Tuesday. So for anybody that's listening to this, Casey and I did record and release an episode yesterday on Crime Rewind where we talk about the Australian boogeyman, also known as Mr. Cruel. Um, you can check that out, that dropped, and that is located, and you can find it on anywhere that you get your podcast fix. Um, you can also find Casey, Absent Amanda, and I on Literature Reapers um, every first Monday of the month with the occasional drop-in where we update you on how our month is going. Um, also filled in on the drafts with, or not drafts, but the Robin Williams Memorial um, picks with Casey today and... That one will be airing soon as well. Um, yes. I think that's all I've got going on right now. Casey, what do you got going on? I just I kind have... of stole your thunder, so I apologize. Oh, no. I've got... A... Anybody who knows me knows I have an awful lot of thunder. And nobody can steal all of my thunder. I got thunder in my thighs. Thunder thighs. I've got thunder in my pants. Never mind. We won't go there. Um, also coming up on an evening at the movies, we have Ashley from 30 flirty and not thriving reimagined. She will be with us next week and she and I will be discussing another, oh my God, classic of cinematic masterpiece, um, on the line starring Lance Bass. I mean, we've got vanilla ice from the nineties. We've got from Justin to Kelly from the two thousands. Why not? Let's put freaking Lance Bass right smack dab in the middle. We are really out. fucking with you lately. I know. We need to get back on track and not fucking with Casey's sanity because this shit is not good for my well-being. Keeps you on your toes. Uh, it does keep me on my toes. Uh, let's see. Chancey will be here in August sometime for another Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
Um, we've got some uh, Don't Be a Medicine South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood with Dre coming up here in uh, 20-ish days. I think we're at 24 now. As of now. Yeah. When this episode drops, it'll be like 20. A lot of uh, math there that I have no ability. Uh, yeah, well, math sucks. Uh, Shannon's birthday episode will be coming up here in a few weeks with Good Burger. Uh, Stephen King birthday bonanza month coming up in September as well, where Amanda and I will be venturing through the cinematic masterpiece or the cinematic world of Stephen King from start to finish, not all in one month, but we will be starting out with five Stephen King movies in September with a very special episode on the man himself's birthday, which is September 19th. We will be, nope, not going to jinx it. I already said it once before, not going to overtempt myself, but we have a special episode coming up on King's birthday. Stay tuned for that. As we, as soon as we get it recorded, I will let the cat out of the bag every damn time I record because then it is in the damn bank and it can't be taken away from us. So, but then Halloween Horror Fest is coming up in October. So not quite sure what we're going to be doing for that. Amanda and I are kicking around the idea of less on the slashers this year and more on traditional horror. We'll see what happens. But always, each, you can stay informed on what's coming up on all forms of social media, whether it is uh, Facebook, TikTok, the Gram, um, Twitter, Threads. Now we're on Threads. Uh, all the information for all that is always posted in the show notes each and every week. Otherwise, I think that's about it. Um, but definitely thank you, Shannon, for being here. Thank you for requesting this episode literally like 10 fucking months ago. It has been a while. Yes. I knew it was on your list and I knew you would eventually get to it. But from the time I requested it until now, I kind of got to hang it over your head. Like when you know that you're going to have to get a colonoscopy and you like it's on your calendar and like from the day it enters your calendar to the day you're like oh my god i only have four weeks until i have to have my colonoscopy and then like you just kind of dread it so i've been Um, building up that anticipation i'm not gonna lie this probably would have happened back in the spring if it wasn't for the fact that uh literally just weeks after i got the dvd in my possession was when I went in the hospital and that kind of sort of threw everything off. Yeah. And it took me a while coming out of the hospital to get back, back on track. In the well, I mean, that's that you went through a lot. Like, you know, I, I well, again, yeah, for those, I mean, not that we need to rehash it, but two weeks Casey in the hospital, microwaved his arm. Let's just put it that way. Let's call a spade a spade. Casey put his arm in the microwave and it exploded. And exactly. here we are. Day after I got out of the hospital, my dad died. Freaking, yeah. It took me a while to get back on track. Then everything starting to get back on track. And then the last Monday, losing the greatest cat in the history of the world, Vader. Yes, we need to dedicate this episode to Vader. Absolutely. Who 
By the way, just want to shout out the fact that not only did I get the phone call and get him picked up from the crematorium yesterday, but um, a amazing gift from Shanna was delivered from the U.S. Postal Service today. So not only is Vader home, but Vader is safely ensconced in his Death Star-shaped permanent residence for eternity now. As he should be. Now he can rule over us in the fashion that he was designated and designed to rule. Exactly. And that is exactly how Shanna put it the other day when he passed away. She was like, I want to do something for him that will allow him to reside over the world in the fashion that he was meant to. And she did that for us. So we greatly appreciate that. Thank you very much for your gift. It definitely helped the mourning and grieving process. You are welcome. And so is Vader. Uh, other than that, um, thank you everybody for being here each and every week. We love you guys. You guys are fucking awesome. Keep up the good work. We literally are creeping up on the fact that hopefully by, no, not hopefully by, I can promise you that I am figuring it out beat by beat that on our third anniversary on February 10th, we will be also not only celebrating our anniversary, but delivering you our 200th episode of an evening at the movies. So keep listening. Keep being the encouraging, supporting listeners that you are. You guys keep us going each and every week, sometimes more than once a week. So we will keep churning out great episodes for you guys as long as you guys keep coming back. We love you guys. Shanna, again, thank you for being here. Amanda, happy anniversary. Can't wait to have you back, Amanda. And I hope you come back looking like a freaking lobster because you got too much freaking sun. Ha ha. Just kidding. But, um, nope, other than that, we hope you guys all come back for an evening at the movies. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Go Ninja, go Ninja Rep. Go Ninja, go Ninja Rep. Peace and hair grease.
I'm the teacher, man, you're the student. Don't you is it to feel the prudent. I can't deal with the lyrics I'm stepping with, but then the lines that the people are getting with. Unless I'm well taught, I get some more advice. I don't sweat it on the mic, cause I'm full of ice.